Hello, today I have the lovely Gail with me. Hi, Gail, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, thank you, Dana. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, my name is Gail Olmsted. I am uh, I'm an author. Um, writing is my third career, essentially, probably, hopefully my last one, too. I, um, I studied marketing in, um, as an undergrad, and I really, uh, I just love the field. I still do. It, um, so I started working in marketing in the telecommunications uh, field. I did that for years. Um, and then when my children were quite small, I didn't, I really didn't want to do the travel anymore. And the, the job was just a little too demanding. So I uh, switched to teaching uh, marketing uh, at the college level. And I did that full time uh, for seven, uh, no, I'm sorry, 20, 24 years, 24 years. And I just, um, I retired from full-time teaching last spring. So now I'm, um, I started writing about 10 years ago, was um, seriously writing and working on books. And um, so now I pretty much do that full-time, although I still do teach um, marketing uh, classes for a handful of uh, colleges um, on, online. So uh, that's, you know, so it's very flexible in terms of um, when I'm, you know, uh, required to, you know, be at my at my computer or whatever, and when I can spend time talking talking to you. So, yeah. We always know you wanted to write. I really didn't. I, um, my, my oldest friend swears that I said as a teenager, I'm going to write a book someday. I honestly do not remember saying that, but I would trust her memory over my, over mine. So I must've, but um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, when I was in marketing, I, I wrote, you know, uh, radio commercial scripts and, and reports and, you know, things of that nature. And then teaching, of course, I was always writing lesson plans and essays and things like that. So, but, but creative writing um, is uh it just, just kind of came to me one day, we, we took a family vacation to uh, Sedona, Arizona, which is uh, among, is still among to me, the, the most beautiful places I've ever been. And it just inspired me. And I kind of got this image in my mind of this, of this woman who decides to kind of relocate, start her life over again in, in Sedona. And I thought if if there was a place you were going to do have a do-over in your life, that would be where you'd want to do it. So that really is what got me started on this whole uh, journey, I guess. And uh, I'm working on my uh, sixth book right now, so it um, it's it's been it's very fulfilling. I I enjoy it. I enjoy like we were saying before. I enjoy meeting other other writers talking about the, the craft of writing and, and the marketing side of it too. So it, uh, but no, so no, I didn't always know I was going to be a writer. It came to me late in life. <laughs> and what made you decide to write in the genre that you write in? Well, my first four books were contemp are contemporary. And um, I, I guess you'd call them contemporary women's fiction. I don't know. I don't really love that term, but 
my main characters are women and the themes that I tend to explore tend to be, I think, more, appe more appealing to, to women in general. But, um, but that being said, my fifth book uh, that just came out um, uh, six weeks ago is historical. And um, although it's a, it was a departure for me to write in, you know, I had to do a lot of research. Um, the, the book is Landscape of a Marriage. It is the story of landscape architect Frederick Law Olmsted, who is known in America, at least, as the father or grandfather of um, landscape architecture. He's the first person back in the 1850s, um, so 170 years ago, that really saw the need for, um, for public parks. And he was inspired by the parks that he saw in Europe, um, particularly the People's Park in Liverpool was one of his uh, inspirations. So this story is um, of, it's, it's historical fiction, but it's based on, on real people. Um, he was a lifelong bachelor. Everybody assumed he was never gonna be married and his younger brother died from tuberculosis. So he, so Fred turned around and married his late brother's widow. Uh, her name was Mary. And I think that was, it was fairly common back then to protect the children and the assets and the family name, but he adopted her three children and together they had four more. So I just thought, what was her story? You know, like what, what did she th think about um, all this? Cause there's been, tons of books written about him, um, wonderful biographies and uh, stories, mostly, mostly nonfiction, uh, but very little was really known about her. So Landscape of a Marriage is historical and it's um, the story of their marriage, their life together for more than 40 years, but it's told from her, her perspective. She, it's her side of things, which is gonna be of course very different from his perspective. So, um, and, and I should say that the, um, the inspiration for, for them, particularly as a couple, uh, my husband is related. Uh, my last name, my married name is Olmsted, same as Frederick Olmsted. So for years, people would like, you know, I'd, I'd introduce myself and people say, oh, are you related to that Olmsted? And I would ask my husband and we were like, we don't really know very much about him. So when I started doing research, I just thought, wow, this sounds like a good um, a good opportunity for a story. So, um, but even though it's uh, historical, to me, the theme that, that I seem to keep going back to in all of my books, including this new one, the, the sixth, sixth one, that's so hard to say, that I'm writing, um, is all about second chances and starting over and having a you know, uh, an opportunity for a do-over in your, in your life. If you're not satisfied where you're at to, to have the, the strength or the desire uh, to kind of do a restart. So even though, like I said, this last one is historical, the same themes, um, I, you know, just continue to explore those in different, uh, in different ways. Awesome. <laughs> Um, out of all the books you've written so far, do you have a favorite character? Oh, well, I love, I love Mary Olmsted. Um, I really, uh, I find 
I find her to be, uh, she was a very uh, practical woman uh, in terms of she knew what she needed to do to um, support her three children when she was, she was only 28 when she was widowed and she had three small children. So she knew she needed to do something. Uh, marrying her brother-in-law was not the first thing that she thought of, but, uh, but she was a very practical person and knew what she needed to do. Um, I envisioned this love story between them. I just thought from what I knew about Mary, I didn't think she would want a marriage in name only. You know, I, I thought she wanted a second chance at a, at a real happy ever after, a, you know, more, more, more of a romance or a real, a real connection um, in the marriage. So, um, so I love, yeah, I love, I love her. And she's, she's one of those people. She's going to stay with me, um, you know, for forever. So, yeah. So I guess she's probably, she's my new favorite. You know, a year ago, a different favorite, but uh, today she's my favorite. Of all the books you've written so far, what's the most fun scene that you've written and what's been the most difficult? Oh, okay. Um, probably the most, probably my favorite scene in, um, it's my second book. It's called, uh, the title is Guessing at Normal. And it's the story of a young woman working in a, at a motel, um, kind of not sure what she wants to do with her life. She's still very young and kind of floundering. And um, this up and coming rock star and his band check into the motel and they have a, a moment that becomes a one night stand that becomes her joining them on the road. And they have this um, very kind of tumultuous relationship uh, that goes on for years. But my favorite scene was she was um, she decides to bring him home to meet her family. And she has a very dysfunctional family. Um, that's where the term guessing at normal uh, comes from. It's um, a term that a lot of um, children who grow up in um, alcoholic households or dysfunctional households, there's no guidebook. There's no um recipe for how to live your life. They're just guessing at what a normal relationship would be. And I, I grew up in a, in a household like that myself. So there's a, I, so I understand that very well. But uh, so, so Jill brings um, James, her boyfriend, home to meet her family. And because of propriety and everything, he, he bunks in with her brother. And she wakes up in the morning and she hears laughter and people talking and not arguing and not fighting. And she's laying there in bed thinking, where am I? Like, what's going on? I'm, she's so used to this kind of chaotic, angry household. And so she comes downstairs and James is entertaining the family. One of her girlfriends comes over, everybody's talking, they're having pancakes and laughing. And she's just sitting there and, and Although I think she's happy, she's kind of confused and she's kind of mad. Like, this isn't a house you're supposed to have fun in. Like, what the heck is going on here? And she's almost envious of the fact that he was able to come in and just create this happy moment. And she's sitting there like, oh, why is... <laughs> so that's my favorite scene. I don't know. I just can picture her like standing in the hallway, listening with this like disbelief that there are actually people are in the next room having fun. 
and uh, and and she's um, and she's not. But uh, so so that was a fun one to write because I like I said I could just picture um, her, picture her so so well. Um, probably any scene in any of the books where there's been um, um, a, a loss, a, a, a death, uh, especially of somebody younger, um, without any spoilers that that's occurred in a couple of books. And um, though that's very, very hard for, for, for me to write. Um, in fact, one um, a chapter from, from Landscape of a Marriage, um, I could read it today. And even though I've read it 20 times, <laughs> proofreading it or whatever, or, or editing it, I, I would still burst into tears. And I don't, not because it's so well-written, but just because the idea of what this woman is going through, what this family's going through just makes me um, just really tear up. So anything like that to me is, um, is challenging, is hard to do. Do you hide any secret jokes or messages in your books or any Easter eggs? All the time. All the time. I, um, yeah, I throw in little um snippets from uh, my from my kids um you know stories stories that they've told uh just awkward things you know growing up um my my fourth book is second guessing which is a follow-up of guessing at normal this is years later now jill has a second chance at a happy ever after and um she falls in love with a young man and uh, I named his parents after, after friends of ours, um, a, a couple. And it's not towards the end that their names are introduced. And my friend Betsy called me and said, I can't believe you wrote Betsy and Joel as the, as the mother and father. And I said, I had, you know, I had to. It's just, um, so, so yeah, I get a big kick out of those things that most people just don't pick up on. But, you know, once in a while, a, a friend, even a friend from high school will say, hey, wasn't that what happens so yeah so I I entertain myself very well with those little <laughs> you know little side jokes or whatever that's fun. I love that <laughs> me too do you have any fears or phobias and would you write about them not too much um mostly well, I think lately, um, the whole, you know, since the whole COVID thing, um, I'm not as comfortable in crowds as I, as I, you know, used to be. Um, and I have a feeling that's going to come through in the, the, the book I'm writing now. Um, this woman is kind of just kind of thrown into this new situation. And um, although I'm not going to talk about COVID in the book, I'm not going to have them wearing masks or whatever. Um, I, I just read a book where it didn't have to be a big part of the storyline, but it became one. And I actually found it kind of just annoying that, you know, she walked in and adjusted her mask and then she went over, you know, it just... I don't know. I mean, that could be the, the way things are for a long time to come, but I don't know, unless it's part of the plot to me, it just seems silly. So, but I have a feeling that there's going to be something with her. Her name is Miranda. I think Miranda is going to have a bit of a, um, of an issue with, with going out and uh, big crowds of people or whatever, just, just had a lot happen to her. And I have a feeling that's going to 
um, you know, kind of be um, where that story is going to come from or that, you know, kind of plot little, you know, twist is going to come from. Uh, when you're editing your books, what's your most overused word or phrase? What do you get told <laughs> off for? <laughs> I say literally a lot and my characters say literally a lot. And um, yeah, it, it, it has to be, it, it has to be taken out. Um, I probably also use the word that a lot. Um, she went into the room or she, you know, she, she wore the dress that that had been, and I, and I never know whether I should pull that word that out or leave it in because sometimes it makes sense. Sometimes a comma would be better. So I probably use the word that more than, more than anything yeah, or literally. Those are, those are my two. I love it. Every author knows just like that all the time. <laughs> they don't have to think about it. They know exactly what their word is. Definitely. Definitely. It does make me laugh. Um, we were talking before we started recording about how supportive the community is. So have you made a lot of author friends since you started writing? I have. <laughs> I'm going to be having um, dinner with one of them uh, tonight. Uh, she's my friend. Her name is BJ Knapp. She's awesome. She, um, we, we just, we had the same publisher years ago, um, which is a whole the publishing journey. It's like a whole nother um, story, but um, we had the same publisher and we met um, at, at like a panel or something in New York city. And we just kind of clicked and she lives in Rhode Island and I'm in Massachusetts. We're, we're only just over an hour apart, actually. So we meet halfway uh, for dinner uh, every, you know, several weeks or so. And so I'm going to meet her tonight for dinner, which I'm very excited about. She said she has a, um, she just texted me before and said she has a new uh, angle on something I can do with Miranda, my new character. So I'm like, yeah, you know, so we're both nerds. We talk about marketing and we talk about writing and we talk about, you know, I mean, our, our families, but it's mostly, it's mostly what we're, you know, doing. Um, and a, a few other authors I've met in, you know, in uh, face-to-face um, at local book shows or local craft fairs or, or whatever. Um, but mostly just the online community has just been um, so helpful. And like we were saying, just supportive and you know, offering resources. I mean, I could put up a, a blurb, which is one of the hardest, the, the back cover copy for a book. To me, it's one of the hardest things to write. I can write 90,000 words, but tell me I have to write 120 for a, you know, for a paragraph and it's, but I could put something up on one of these Facebook groups and ask for suggestions. And literally within an hour, I have 30 or 40 people that take the time to rewrite it or rethink it or offer suggestions literally from all over the world. I mean, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. It's, and I would do the same thing for them, of course, but it's just, um, it's amazing. It's, it's just not, not competitive because uh, books are, you know, books are like that. If you read a good book, you're likely to buy another book uh, or, or recommend another book. And it's not like so many other, you know, packaged goods that once you buy it, it's like, well, this is, I'm stuck with this for, you know, three years. It's um, books are, books are fun like that. So it, uh, yeah, very, very nice um, group, just helpful, supportive. 
offering you whatever you whatever you need at the moment. So it's been nice. People like yourself. I'm the best. <laughs> <laughs> and who would you most fangirl over me in author wise? Well, I I like um, well, I love Stephen King, which is kind of kind of bizarre because I mean a lot of his books are more the you know the monsters and thrillers, but I just like the way he writes real people in in you know strange situations. I don't care so much for some of the supernatural stuff, the you know the the mystical kind of things, but just the everyday people that find themselves in unusual situations. I just think he's I, I think he's just phenomenal. So yeah, he would probably be my um, my if I you know could sit down with another author or whatever. Um, he would probably be the one. I've been outside of his house, so I'm a bit of a stalker. He lives in Maine and has an unusual house with like gargoyles and stuff, but uh, um, but I would never like go up and knock on the door. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. But yeah, he would probably be the one I would fangirl all over. Yeah, same. This literally the only reason I'm going to bloody Scotland um, at the weekend is because he's appearing via you know, technology, but I don't care. <laughs> you know, he's going to oh. be speaking to us and I think we can ask questions and things as well. So, yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, that sounds like a great opportunity. Yeah. Um, and Kathy Reichs as well, who is another author hero of mine. Um, she's right. a parent oh, yeah. too. She writes the... Um, um, is, is it the, the medical... Twice, forensic anthropology Forens so. yes 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 that's what yes yeah i yeah. read a couple of books yeah so so good yeah she um is part of the reason i ended up doing a forensic science degree <laughs> from really? reading her books yeah wow my daughter used to talk about being she loved um csi and one of the other ones and and just loved the whole idea of you know the investigation uh, part of it um didn't end up pursuing it, but at, at, for a time, I thought that that might be something that she would, you know, she would do. So, yeah, yeah it, it's nothing like that. <laughs> no, I know. No. It, it's not all solved in 42 minutes of, uh, yeah, of TV time. No, definitely not. You don't get to work with David Boreans, which is a real shame. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that would make the job a little bit more interesting, I think. Oh, yeah. A lot of tedious, you know, just sitting and looking at, you know, um, yeah, not like, not like on TV. Sadly, but yeah, there we go. But yeah, it was fun. There are fun things, so it's cool. But no David Boreans, which sucks. I can't have everything, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it's something to shoot for, you know, something to hope for. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. It's way out of anyone's league, actually. <laughs> um, so do you get a lot of feedback from your readers? I do. Um, yeah, I mean, besides, you know, sales numbers, um, which are, which is feedback of a, you know, of a sort. Um, yeah, I do. Um, it, it's amazing to me how challenging it is to get reviews. 
Um, so, so for all the readers out there, if you've read a good book, leave a review, even just a short one or a rating, it, it means the world. And I, that's probably been the biggest surprise for me is how challenging it is to, to, to see those um, reviews. But um, I did get an, um, a very nice uh, email shortly after uh, Landscape of a Marriage came out. Um, a young man wrote to me and said, you know, this is the kind of book my mother would love. If you have the time, would you be able to, you know, sign a, a book to her and send it to her? She lives in Connecticut. And, you know, I'll, I'll Venmo you the money and the shipping and everything like that. But, you know, if, if you have the time, it's like, yeah, I think I have the time to, to write, you know, a nice note to this woman whose son thought of her enough. So things like that. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, or if I'm at a, um, I was at a bookstore um, speaking this past weekend, and I had a number of people come by and just say, you know, like, oh, I read your last book. I haven't read this one yet or whatever. And it's just, yeah, it just means the world, you know, because writing is such a, it can be such a solitary uh, pursuit and you don't get a lot of, you know, feedback, uh, except maybe from your editor. <laughs> so it, um, yeah, just, it just means, it just means the world. Those emails are just a, you know, a quick note or whatever. It's, it's so easy to do. And, and I make, I try to make a point of doing that for books that I've enjoyed and just, you know, letting them know that it was great. I loved how you did this or that. And that's all you need. That's all I need. <laughs> yeah. I know it's something that I try and push as well, but I don't know why people don't, although I was guilty of it until I started to get to know how important it was, but. Yeah. And how easy it is, you know, I mean, yeah. You don't have to write a, a thesis. It's just a, a you know a quick paragraph, uh, and again, even even just a rating, just to kind of bump some enthusiasm. It really it it means it means the world, it means the world. Yeah. Um. So, in your free time, what do you enjoy doing? Well, I love anything to do with the water. Um, we moved several years ago after our, um, we're empty nesters um, and um, we moved to a house uh, on a lake uh, in central Massachusetts. And so every, you know, seven or eight months out of the year, uh, the lake is, is not frozen and it's very usable for kayaking or sailing, um, just, you know, boating, floating. Um, I like to knit. I love to read, obviously, is my, my big thing. And I've gotten into audiobooks in a big way um, because I can knit as I'm listening to an audiobook and looking out the window or sitting on the deck looking at the water. So it's like multitasking, but it's all just very relaxing. So, and I hope to start traveling again one of these, one of these days. Haven't, uh, haven't done anything for you know, a year and a half, like, like a lot of people, but I think that's going to start to change. So, yeah. Is that international travel or is that the other 20 states that you haven't been to yet? Yeah, the other. Um, probably the other. Um, my, um, my sister-in-law is having a, a big anniversary party in uh, California in uh, January. So I think we are going to head out that way and make a extended stay uh, out of it. Our daughter lives in California also. So we'll get to see her. Um, so that'll probably be um, 
the first, we, we, we have a trip planned for later this fall, but I, I don't know, I just don't have a good feeling about it. I, I have a feeling it's gonna get canceled. So, uh, so I think the California trip might be the first, first uh, big one. And it'll be nice to see, you know, see family and that uh, we haven't gotten to see. Yeah, it'll be nice. And where would your be your top uh, international destination if you if we were free? I love Ireland. I I my my um, third book is uh, Driving on the Left, and it's a mother daughter trip through Ireland uh, to celebrate the daughter's uh, graduation from college, and it's based very loosely on a trip my daughter and I took when she graduated from, from college. And I just, uh, I would probably start in, in Dublin for a day or two, and then I'm done, hit the Southern coast and end up out um, on the West Coast Galway. Uh, I, I love the West Coast of, of Ireland. I would, I would probably stay there um, for as long, as long as I could. Uh, yeah, I, th I think it's, I think it's just, it's just beautiful. I mean, I love England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, but Ireland, and that I'm also Irish. So something about the stories, the music, the, the jokes, the films, the books, you know, it just really, it just resonates with me. And for me, it's the accent as well. I love the Irish accent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I could listen. Yeah. Yeah. You could read from the phone book and I'd be, I'd be like, oh, listen, you know. Yeah, that would be fine with me. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got a couple of Irish author friends and yeah, it's fun to talk to them. Talk to them oh, too yeah, fast. Yeah, I, like, so, yeah, just listen to them for forever. Yeah. Um, if you're able to travel to any period of time, forward or backwards, where would you like to go to? Wow. Um... I was never a big fan of history, actually, which I probably should, shouldn't admit since I just wrote a, a historical novel. But um, the way his, to me, the way history was taught in, in school when I was in school a while ago was just memorizing dates and not really understanding what happened. Um, now that I've done a few years, actually, of research for Landscape of a Marriage, I think the second half of the 19th century in the United States post-Civil War would be uh, very interesting. Um, the women's suffrage movement, the gold rush, all the, you know, the invention of the telephone, all, all the things going on in, you know, with, with, the, with the communities, with the building of, of, of parks or, you know, large urban parks. I think that would be very interesting to be part of that, uh, part of that time. But I'd never want to go forward in time. Like I'd never want to go to you know, whatever's, you know, that, that I'll take one day at a time. That's fine. <laughs> no, rush. no rush at all. No, funnily enough, most people aren't actually, they're quite happy to let the future unfold as, as or when, you know, they're fine. Everyone wants to go back generally. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we're supposed to know everything that's going to happen to us. I, I don't, I don't think that would be useful information at all. So I'm happy to just kind of wake up and see what the day, you know, how the day unfolds, that's fine with me. Um, if you were to be a fictional villain for a day, who would you be? Oh, fictional villain. Um, 
I don't know. Uh, ooh, fictional villain. Um, I mean, I read so many. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to um, This Tender Land right now. It's William oh, Kruger Kent, I want to say. And there's a, a villain in there. It's a woman who runs this um, state-run school for or orphanage. And she's just this horrible woman. Um, and you think to yourself, like, how could anybody be that way? So I, I, so I can't even imagine, I guess maybe her, just because I'm, I think her name is Miss Bramfield or something like that. She's just this, they call her the, the, the black witch because she's just so evil. The, the, you know, the kids that live in the orphanage. So I don't know, it might be fun to be that way for like an hour, but then, then I'd have to turn into, you know, somebody nice and give them all sweets and cookies and hugs and stuff. <laughs> it just wouldn't be in my nature to you know to be able to hold that on for very for very long It'd be probably fun for a short while but it uh yeah wouldn't wouldn't be my my first thing at all and if you were to be a character in a book how would you kill your victims if you were a murderer if i was a murderer slow and painful <laughs> and you know, they never saw it coming and then they're just dying a slow, painful death. I figure if they're, if they're good enough or bad enough to want to kill, then they've got to suffer for it, for whatever they did. I don't, I don't know what they would do that would make me want to kill them, but I would want it to be slow and painful. So maybe like poison. Yeah, Cause I wouldn't want to get my hands dirty, <laughs> like <laughs> knives or stuff like that. No, I think poison would be good because then I could just sit back and watch, you know? perhaps scary especially for your husband of how quickly you knew that answer <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm just gonna say i don't know it just came to me out of the, yeah it's, it's amazing how much you can you know kind of muster up really really quickly without giving it too much thought but it's no, no hesitation there at all yep poison that's it done. <laughs> okay. you made me do it yeah it, um, that would be yeah, that, that would be it. Because like I said, I just don't like to get my hands dirty. So I wouldn't want to do anything like strangling or, you know, knives or blood or anything. Just, you know, slow, painful. Yeah. 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 Some poisons can be pretty awful, can't they? So, yeah, that would that would make them suffer. So, yeah, I agree. Although when I was asked a question, I said I'd stab them 100 times. Whoa, I don't think I'd have the, I think after a couple of times I'd lose interest and be like, oh, I have a cramp on my hand. I just can't, you know. Yeah, no, yeah. Be easy for me and hard for them. Yeah, I don't know where that came from and I don't know why 100, <laughs> but, you know, it was there and it was out. And yeah, that was, that was my answer. So there we oh, go. That's, okay. And that's a, that's a valid answer. It's a good one. Yeah, Neither not, one of us not would be in that position, I'm sure, but, uh, you know, just in case. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And it'll look premeditated because they'll find this tape and say, see, she thought about that, you know, back in yeah. September 2021. <laughs> yeah, before that even. <laughs> yeah, before that, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's funny how, how your brain uh, works and like, yeah, yeah, yeah stabbing, poison, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> um are you working on anything at the moment and do you know what's coming next for you I am working on uh yeah I, my my current um 
work in progress is um, it's back to a contemporary um, fiction again. Uh, I, you know, I think unless I find a story that is really uh, compelling to me or a point in time in history or an event uh, that, that would make me want to go, go back there, I think my, my natural inclination is, is to stay, you know, more contemporary. Uh, but yeah, I've got a character. Uh, her name is Miranda. She is a, uh, assist, uh, a district attorney, um, but she loses a case, a very high profile case when a witness of hers disappears. So she's, um, you know, they, they, they need to have a scapegoat, um, you know, someone to blame for this because it was a high profile case. So she's not, you know, not like fired, but just like asked to leave. And, and so she's licking her wounds and feeling sorry for herself for, for a while, sleeping on her father's couch and drinking wine and eating ice cream and just, you know, kind of feeling sorry for herself. And then she decides it's time for a second chance, a second opportunity to kind of reclaim her, um, her future. And this witness shows up again. So, which provides all kinds of complications. Uh, because in addition to losing her job, she also lost um, her, um, the, the man she was involved with. Um, I hate to say boyfriend when they're like 40, you know, 40 something years old, but the, her, her partner, uh, she loses him because of some other strange things and a place to live. So within a week, she's lost her job, her, her partner and her, um, and her home. Um, so she needs, she has a lot to, uh, to make up for. And, um, so this is an opportunity for her to kind of, you know, again, reclaim that, you know, her future, but this witness shows up, which complicates things for, for everybody involved. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say I'm probably about halfway through the first draft. Um, I'm anxious to see what my friend BJ has in store for me tonight because she said she has some ideas for Miranda. So I was like, yes, you know, um, so that'll be good. I'll keep you posted though. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, well, you may be pleased to know I don't have any more questions for you unless you think there's anything I haven't asked you about that you want to tell us. I, I, I just touched very briefly on publishing. And so just, just for a second, um, just just to share my in a whole journey because when I wrote my first book um, Jeep tour based in Sedona um, you know like I said I started really getting serious about it about 10 years ago and after I finished it I thought okay good now I'm just going to find some publishing house that will publish it for me and you know just like that it'll just just happen and of course that didn't happen so I uh, ended up self-publishing and then for my second book I found a publisher and they published my second book and then they went back and republished my first book. Everything's going well. They're about to publish my third book and they went out of business. So I had to get the rights back for all three books, self-publish them again. Then my fourth book, I found a new publisher. They, they went out of business. I don't blame myself or take any responsibility. I think it's just the times you know, that we live in. Um, so I had to get the rights back for that. So my first four books are all self-published. And now I have an author, uh, excuse me, I have an author, I have a publisher, uh, Black Rose Writing. They've been wonderful. Uh, they published Landscape uh, of a Marriage, um, again, just about six weeks ago in uh, the end of July. 
and uh, I am going to give them the, the first opportunity to, uh, to publish uh, my next book when that uh, becomes available, hopefully, hopefully early next year. Um, I, I, I'm hoping that I'm going to be done at least with you know, most of the edits by then. So uh, the publishing journey has been a, an interesting one with lots of um, ups and downs and twists and things. And, and I think for any author, I think the best thing is just to just make sure you're aware of what your options are and, and don't be too quick to sign something just to get that publisher because um, I know a lot of people who have self-published that are wildly successful. And so it's, you know, it's not, not necessary. It has advantages in terms of distribution and things, but um, uh, yeah, so that, that's been an, an, an interesting journey over the it sounds years. <laughs> so I'm hoping for just some uh, stability in that, in that field for a while now. I don't, I, no more, no more twists and turns. I just, I just want it to be, you know, smooth sailing. Well, yeah, third time lucky, right? <laughs> Oh, I think you just froze up on me, but <laughs> I'd say third time lucky for your publishers. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. I, I never thought of it that way. But yeah, third time's the charm. Well, let's hope so. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so before we go, would you just like to remind everyone of where they can get your books from and where they can find out more about you? Sure. The, the easiest um, way where everything is, um, is my website. It's gailolmstead.com. And it's just um, Gail Olmsted. Well, I'm seeing it on the screen here, but I'm not sure if anybody's going to see that. Um, it's A-I-L-O-L-M-S-T-E-D.com. Um, that would be probably the easiest place, but um, all of my books are on, on Amazon, on Kindle. Uh, two of my books are in audio books and, um, you know, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, Target. I find them anywhere, basically. But uh, yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty easy to find. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Donna. It was so nice to talk to you today. I really, I really appreciate everything you do for, uh, for, for authors. Your enthusiasm and support is, is um it's really, it's spectacular. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>